Hey guys, how's it going? It's great to be back with you. I am taking a break from writing for this week and wanted to do a podcast. So one of the reasons is that I've been reading some great stuff and I didn't have too much to add to it, but I just wanted to um, share it with you guys because I thought it was really worthwhile. I want to start with a quote by G.K. Chesterton. Imagination does not breed insanity. What does breed insanity is reason. The poet only asks to get his head into the heavens. It is the logician who seeks to get the heavens into his head. And it is his head that splits. The madman is not the man who has lost his reason. The madman is the man who has lost everything except his reason. And this idea that there is a tie between being able to acknowledge things outside of what you can understand and being sane. And that to try to force everything into your head will ultimately split your head. It will not change the nature of reality. So that's just kind of a backdrop as we go into this piece about sleep. This piece is written by a guy named Mark Barnes. He's a young Catholic writer. And I'm going to go ahead and get into it now. People sleep. It seems like something natural science should have settled some time ago, but the fact remains mysterious. We are told that sleeping is a kind of recharging, which is about as helpful as calling thinking a kind of computing. We create devices that recharge in a manner that is analogous to how we sleep, not the other way around. And this is really key. That we, t- we think of, you know, in modernity, we think of sleeping as recharging, and we kind of, I would naturally tie that to, you know, my phone or something like that. But his point here is that humans obviously came first, that we made the phones and we made all the things that recharge in our image so that the that doesn't really do anything to the, you know, to the mystery of, of why we sleep because we made things in our image rather than humans being made in its image. It does little good to answer the question of why we do something by pointing to machines and toys that we built uh, and show that they do it. The fact that during sleep we replenish our glycogen levels and heal our bodies is true, and it is marvelous, but is hard, but it hardly answers the question of why we lie down and dream to do it. That is, why sleep and not something else is the form which delivers these goods. In scripture, the first sleep is not a natural sleep. Adam does not lie down and dream because his body urges him towards unconsciousness, as his belly urges him towards the fruit of the tree. Rather, quote, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. Genesis 2.21 This cuts to the truth of all the subsequent dozing and napping of the sons of Adam. We do not choose to sleep. Sleep chooses us. No one can go to sleep by deliberate action any more than one can become joyful by grimacing. Joy waits to descend until the human person is united with something she loves. Sleep waits to descend until the human person has given some sign of faith, some liturgical movement of belief that sleep will, in fact, come. In both joy and sleep, the human person is a petitioner. We cannot seize them from the ether. We can only make ourselves a good candidate for their presence. Insomnia is negative evidence that people are beggars on sleep's doorstep, rather than rational individuals who choose to sleep because they are free. To stare at the ceiling in the red glow of an alarm clock, 
to feel sleep hovering above the bed without making her nest in it. This is the awful revelation of the gratuity of existence. Sleep, like joy, forgiveness, and life itself, only ever comes as a gift. If I do not fall asleep, I'll fall over dead, and yet I cannot choose to sleep beyond begging for sleep to fall over me. This is the paradigm of infancy, that the infant must eat but can only scream for milk. Babies are either held or they wither. We are born full of needs that we cannot fulfill beyond begging. Life begins as a loud, wordless, petitionary prayer mercifully answered by a family. It is the unique foolishness of adulthood to imagine that what little mastery we do attain over our world somehow shushes this whale rather than giving it linguistic specificity, which, you know, this idea that we, we feel that as we grow up, we get past needing things. We get past needing others. We get past need. But in reality, we just give ourselves very sophisticated words to explain what we want so that we feel as though we have more mastery over it than we actually do. Our capacity for communicating, walking in straight lines, and rarely spilling coffee down our shirts makes an idol of the adult, who rudely squeezed between childhood memories and a looming old age, briefly considers himself an individual, the master of his ship, and the owner of his car. Sleepiness cures us of this grown-up idolatry. Tired adults are like babies, whimpering, scratching at their eyes, unable to make decisions and bumping into the furniture. Sleep is an experience of infancy carried into adulthood. Despite my independence, my position, and my unique political identity, I am newborn, laying in my bed, hoping to receive what I cannot will, given over to a world beyond my choosing, asking for relief. To be asleep is to enjoy being in the mode of a creature which receives its being from another. It is to be helpless, given over, to be one who does not have oneself deliberately at hand. If we really were like God, sleep would be the weird abasement that liberalism is so afraid of. God does not sleep. God does not enter into a mode in which all is reduced to reception of being from without. This idea that when you're asleep, that you are just merely receiving, you receive your dreams, you even receive sleep itself. Sleep feels good because it is good not to be God. It is good to simply be, not as a volitional agent, a thinking thing, an I that knows he is an I, in short, because any action or state attributable to human volition and reason, but just as given, as just laying there utterly and obviously dependent on the continued gift of life from our lovely, inscrutable giver. Because sleep is an act of worship. It comes like a feast day, liturgically, trilling back and forth about a 24-hour calendar. The body is oriented towards marveling that one has existence for oneself and may dispose it towards good or evil, the grocery or the gas station. 
Waking life is stuffed with capacity, volition, doing, and seizing. The sun slouches behind the hills, and the body begins its descent into a darker, murkier gratitude, contemplating the goodness of existence, not as disposed this way or that way, but as sheerly given by God. The labor of the day and the receiving of the night feed man in his twofold aspect of both having and receiving his act of existence. This idea that during the day, as we go about our lives and do all the things that we try our hand at, that that expresses one side of our nature, but that there is another half of our nature in which our being is given to us and our healing is given to us by God, by something outside of everything we can control. Anyway, it keeps going, but I won't, I won't keep reading it. But um, I just this idea is has really been playing uh, large in my head. The idea of um, wanting too much control and insanity, and going mad, and uh, you know, and holding on too tightly. And uh, I uh, I see this as really. A huge part of things that I deal with on a daily basis, you know, I'm kind of an overthinker by nature, which has its upsides, but these are its downsides, um, kind of a desire for control out of um, maybe a need for uh, stability or something like that. And just, I thought this was a really beautiful and, and meaningful piece just to display how there's so much continuity between um, sort of religious ideas and natural uh, ideas, and and there's so much um, there's so much about the structure of natural things that is uh, that is itself religious in nature, and just this idea that healing the healing of sleep comes from releasing your control over your consciousness, that you let go of your consciousness, and sleep chooses to come over you only after doing so. <clears throat> um, and uh, I think this is just a really beautiful uh, picture of the seeing the meaning of life and experiencing um, the joy of walking with God. And, and I certainly know the other side of the spectrum. I certainly know uh, fighting God and fighting sleep and fighting anything that isn't me. Um, and I, and I want to uh, I want to leave that way of living. So I hope this has uh, has been meaningful to you. And I will leave the description to the full article. It keeps going for quite a while down here in the description. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's all for this week. I love you guys. Um, been really enjoying my time over on Substack. So if you want to catch up on what I've been writing over there, I'll put the link to that in the description as well. Hope that you are having a great week, and uh, I'll be back with you soon.